We begin this morning, um, we are blessed, we're going to get to hear from Jeff Rotunda today, and Jeff Rotunda, if you want, you want to come up, Jeff, Jeff is the executive director, I believe is the title, right, of UCAN City Mission, and we as a church here have been blessed to be able to be, to partner a lot with UCAN. I know when uh, when I was still doing youth, uh, UCAN was great for us with the youth ministry to get to take our kids. They'd come up with great service projects for us to do, and we got to kind of partner with that stuff, and uh, we got to go and decorate for Christmas uh, for a couple years in a row, and our E-teams were blessed by them allowing us to come and be a, a part of what they do. So we wanted Jeff to get to share with you what UCAN does. So what do they do, Jeff? You need a mic, though, don't you? I thought we could share this one, but then that's going to be weird, right? So. We would be very close. Uh, that wouldn't be following COVID protocol either. That's right. um, that's right. So, yeah, you can. Uh, United Christian Advocacy Network. Everybody always asks what you can. It's just easier to say you can instead of trying to spit that out five times. Um, but uh, I was just thinking about uh, the last time you asked me to come share and uh, what that looked like and it was actually about this time and uh, I was just actually remembering I, I can't remember her name who was playing the bass guitar who was um, here Olivia Olivia was giving yes. her first official sermon the day that I came I remember that um, but I, I say that because you never know what God's going to do when you say yes Okay, and talking about obedience. So United Christian Advocacy Network, we are the Gospel Rescue Mission, which is fancy terms for homeless shelter, here in Chautauqua County, uh, currently serving men. And uh, as most of you know, the last time I stood up here in that obedience, little did I know I would have a contact, and somebody said, hey, I heard you're looking for a women's and a family's facility. And we were at the time, and I say were because we now have purchased a building for the women and families. Uh, that is it. Not the greatest picture. I sent that, so I have to take credit for that. <clears throat> so if you want to see it better, then you got to come see it in person, right? And, and with this building, with this facility, and that obedience, uh, in Chautauqua County, there is no shelter, immediate emergency shelter for women or families. There's some other programs that assist with the longer-term portion, but they can't just walk up and say, hey, I need a place. And don't we all want our churches to be that place, right? Mm -hmm. So this is an extension of this church because United Christian Advocacy Network, we network with the churches, individuals, and organizations, businesses here in Chautauqua County. And so with that building, we're now going to be offering soon and I say soon because it's a process. Anybody who's in construction knows it always takes longer than you hope it would. But we are intentionally moving forward with opening this building, which will provide 40 beds for families and 85 or 45 beds for single women, which is a total of 85 beds here in Chautauqua County. And so that, that is going to be called our Hope United Center, UCAN's Hope United Center. We'll have our UCAN's Men's Ministry and the Hope United Center. So, um, but God is still working, and that's exciting that we're going to be opening that. 
But I'm here to talk about the piece that you've all been involved with, and that is our men's ministry and taking care of our men. And one of the great things that we can provide for is not just the beds, but food and, and opportunities for showers and accountability, but most of all, it's hope. Because Jesus said, what? I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And through this congregation and through many others, they've enabled us to be able to provide food and shelter and housing for our men. So not only is God still working through COVID, he's working in mighty ways that I get to come up here and share. And with the men's program, seeing them fed, they no longer have to be thinking about, man, I'm hungry or man, I'm tired, or I just need a shower, I just need some reset. And there's a reason why God says and talks about quite often meeting the physical needs of people because once that physical need is met, then their heart becomes open to be able to see him moving and working. And this congregation, this family, has kind of spoiled us by providing weekly breakfasts that are hot and ready to go for our guys. Most of the time our guys receive a continental breakfast, uh, so we got bagels, we got toast, we got plenty of cereal. Uh, we do need more milk. Uh, we're always running out of that, but who doesn't, you know, run out of milk when you have a bunch of kids, right? They're my boys. So, uh, but this congregation here has blessed us by, year, by weekly providing an egg bake, which uh, has actually, like I said, kind of spoiled us because the guys wait for Tuesdays. Oh, today's egg bake day. <laughs> and and that, that hot meal, but it makes that difference. It makes that difference. And, and as you can see, uh, this picture here, most of you might not know, uh, is actually we just redid the dining room floor. And uh, it hasn't been done for about four years. And this is the picture that they need to see. The other picture, if you can go back one more slide. One more. The difference between mercy and grace. This hangs in our dining room. What's it say? Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. Our Tuesday breakfasts are that type of feast. Or when you guys donate. Because through that obedience and opportunity, others have now been blessed. We have a group of young, young girls, 12, what are they, 12, 9, and 6, who make brownies and Rice Krispie treats and many other goodies on a weekly basis and they come in and they donate and they're so excited but that's through the obedience and then like you I get to see many of you many of you come in on Monday afternoons or Monday evenings here's our egg bake and that's a blessing and obedience and that, that has spawned some other giving so I'm going to let Tom share how you can continue to help us but I want to thank you all so much for doing that because we don't have a full cast and crew of, of uh, kitchen staff yet that is able to provide the egg bake. So you are able to provide that. And thank you, because you are the hands and feet at work loving on these guys here at the mission. So I know I've taken up about half of your sermon, Tom, but please. <laughs> it just means we get to hang out here longer, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so if you want to help with uh, that breakfast for Tuesday mornings, you can go to the Welcome Center. There's some cards there that they will tell you what week you are. You can sign up. I think we have a sign up on the, the chalkboard wall. So what a blessing if people could uh, step up and sign up for, a, for one week to make uh, this egg bake that, uh, that Jeff was talking about. Mm -hmm. and before Jeff goes, I'd like us to get to pray over him and over the UCAN mission and especially over this uh, women's 
mission that they're working on getting up and, and going. So if you want to extend a hand forward, and we're going to pray a blessing over Jeff and the ministry. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the You Can ministry, Father. We thank you for what Jeff has been doing there. We thank you for his faithfulness to you, Lord. Father, we pray that you continue to pour out your, your grace, your blessings on this ministry, Father. Pour out your blessings on these men who go. Father, I know this isn't just a, um, a place to sleep, but I know that they, they work at getting guys back on their feet, Lord. So, Father, we just pray that you'd be doing a work there. Father, we pray that you would provide these meals, provide the finances. And, Lord, we especially right now want to lift up this women's ministry as well. As the getting it off the ground is often the, the toughest part where a lot of work comes in. Father, we pray that you would bless them, that you would provide for them, and that you would help to get this uh, women's ministry off the ground as well. Father, continue to do a work in Jeff through all the volunteers, through all the, the leadership board there, Father, the, all the other employees. Um, just bless this ministry, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank, Thank you, you Jeff. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask uh, that once again, if you would open your Bibles to Luke 4, 21 to 30, we're going to continue the passage we began in last week. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 727. And as you find that passage, if you would stand with me as we read the word of God again. And if you remember from last week, we do this for a couple reasons. First of all, Jesus did it when he read the word of God but secondly, we want to remember that this, this isn't just another book, that we aren't just reading, you know, like I said last week, Moby Dick or the Scarlet Letter. We are reading the words of God. <clears throat> today, Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you again for this day. We thank you for your word, that you reveal to us who you are, and that you reveal to us who we are and whose we are, Father. Lord, I pray today that you would open our ears, give us ears to hear the message you have for each one of us, and soften our hearts that it may be ready to receive that message. 
And Lord, I pray that uh, whether through me or in spite of me, that each person would hear what you have for them today. Let not one of us walk out of this worship center the same as when we walked in. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. Last week we talked about what Jesus came to fulfill. How he came not only to make a way to heaven in the future, which he did do, but not only that, but according to Jesus himself, he came to provide the only way to heaven. In John 14, 2-6, Jesus says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am told you Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. But Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a lot of teachings that would suggest that there's a lot of different ways that we can get to heaven. But Jesus says himself, there is no other way to the Father but through him. Jesus is the only way to heaven. The only way to eternal peace and happiness. But our passage last week was not so much about how Jesus came to make a way to heaven, to that future peace and joy, but that Jesus also came to make a way for us to have peace and joy in our lives today. And you were challenged last week to really take a look at your life and ask yourself, where are you looking for fulfillment? And I hope that you did that last week. I hope that if you already hadn't done it before, that you made a decision to stop looking to the world for fulfillment, for peace, and for joy. And that you made a decision to accept Christ as as the Lord of your life and turn to him for real, lasting fulfillment. If you did that this week, or if you did that years ago, Today, we're going to discuss what that means for you. So if you made that decision to allow God into your life, to allow him to be Lord of your life, then today, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And I don't know that we ever really contemplate what that means. Do you understand that you have the Holy Spirit living in you? You have God living in you. Because our God is not a distant God. God is not flashing stars, talking to angels like we see in It's a Wonderful Life. He's not a God living on the clouds like we like to see in cartoons. Our God is not a distant God, but our God is a God that dwells all around us and who lives within us when we know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And it is this God, this God living in you, that tells you also who you are. 
And we spoke about this several weeks ago in a sermon. We talked about who you are and whose you are. When Jesus fulfilled those Old Testament promises from last week, and we remember that God created humanity, God walked with humanity, humanity fell, humanity was separated from God, but Christ came to redeem humanity. Christ bridged the gap between us and God. All of those promises from the Old Testament, all of that was fulfilled. And it's so important that we talk about the who we are over and over and over again because we like to forget. So often we forget who we are. And the more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. The more we go over who we are in Christ, the more we will begin to live into that identity. About a year ago, in one of the sermons, again, we talked about that that bride that the, the groom paid eight cows for her. We talked about how most women in this, this culture, you know, you get three cows was good. If, you were pay, if, the hus- if the father was paid five cows, that is magnificent. But this one woman that they thought she'd barely get a cow, <laughs> the, the groom came and he said I will, to the dad, I will give you eight cows for your daughter. And we talked about how once she left with him and was treated as somebody who was worth eight cows, she began to live into that reality. And it was interesting that later on, there's a character who, uh, he owns a shop there and he kind of works in the traded goods and things and he's talking to this groom and they're talking about how she's so beautiful, how did that happen? And as a matter of fact, they they make a little joke about how now the dad thinks he was cheated by only getting eight cows. (laughs) But he tells a great story, the groom, for why he paid eight cows for her. He says that when women talk, they compare. Like, I I was worth five cows, I was worth three cows. And he says, how does that make the woman feel who was worth only one cow? or whose dad only received one cow. And he said, I have loved this girl my whole life. I could not have her feeling that way. I could not have her feeling like she was only worth one cow. When she started to realize the worth that she had to him, she started to live into that identity. And that became evident in every aspect of her life. When we realize how much we are worth to God, who we are in God, we can live into that reality in every aspect of our life. About four years ago, we tried to instill this in our youth. Our theme for the year was identity. So at that fall camp out, we put up two mirrors, and I think it was Ellie Webb who very nicely drew the words on the top that said, 
God says, I am. And then during the sermon times, we would have the kids go over there and write the promises of God, who, who God says they are. And then we hung them up in the youth room. So when they would go and look in those mirrors and see those words, this is who I am, with the hopes that they would begin to live into that identity. It is so important that we stop accepting what the world says about us and we begin to believe what God says about us. Because God has a totally different view of us than the world does. God says that you are a child of his. You are a child of God. Galatians 3.26, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. No longer do you need to live the way you used to live or fear what you used to fear or impress who you used to try to impress. You are a new creation in Christ. Live into that promise. God says that you are chosen, set apart. Deuteronomy 14.2, For you have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. And in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained, God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You are God's workmanship. You're God's handiwork. One translation put it like this, for we are his masterpiece. And you have a purpose. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light on a hill. You have meaning. You have value. You are loved by your heavenly Father. That is who you are. Take a minute to think about that. Those passages, God is telling you who you are. Last week, I heard about this second or third hand, but somebody walked in and they were sharing about the shame they felt as they walked through the door that they were really struggling that morning. But as they heard Izzy's song, that spoke to them in a powerful way. I don't know who you think you are today or what you think about yourself right now. But if you are feeling less than, if you are feeling less than whatever, then before you walk out that door, I want you to know who you are. I want you to know that who you are thinking you are is not who God says you are. You have been chosen. You are a child of God. You have been set apart for a purpose. You are his masterpiece. Believe that. That is who you are. 
And we also talked about a few weeks ago how important it was once we know who we are to also to know whose we are. Because you belong to God and that is a safe place to be. That is a good place to be. He created you. He has a plan for you. And he has anointed you to carry out that plan. And we can see this in Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. But alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God knew you and anointed you while you were still in your mother's womb. He already knew the plans he had for you. Last week, with Izzy's uh, testimony, with her, her song that was probably, not probably, it was definitely the most powerful moment of the service. The worship band I heard was talking about it afterwards even. Izzy talked in that song about who God is and who she is and how she knew that even, no matter what had happened, that she can go to God and that she can seek him and talk to him. And because of that, People were affected. People were blessed by her being faithful and doing what God had anointed her to do while she was still in her mother's womb. Izzy sharing that song was not a surprise to God. God knows what he has anointed her for. And last week we saw a mighty God work in a young girl and really affect the lives of many adults in this room. God knows you, has anointed you, and now dwells in you to help you complete what he has created you to do. It is interesting to me, though, that in Jeremiah 1.6, what does Jeremiah try to do? He tries to get out of fulfilling that call on his life. Do we do that? Do we ever hear the call on our life and come up with excuses why we could not do that? What is God calling you to do that you are making excuses about? Is he calling you to get here early on Sundays and uh, maybe be a, a greeter or work in the cafe or help with the tech? Is he calling you to share the gospel with a neighbor or a coworker? Is he calling you to lead a small group? 
Or maybe, is he calling you into full-time ministry? God has anointed you for something. He has a plan for you. Don't make excuses. Accept God's calling on your life. Accept who you are and accept whose you are. So whether you are a new believer or maybe a seasoned believer who just hasn't taken their next step with God, or if you're a strong believer who has been serving for years, then the next question is, is life with God everything you expected it to be? Is this life, this following of Christ, everything you expected it to be? Because life with God isn't promised to be easy. When I was, uh, this is a tangent, I'm just going to share a tangent with you. When I was in middle school, we used to have a saying that we liked to share with each other and with our teachers even more. And it was based on a book that they made us read. I think it was the book that they made us read. And it was, I never promised you a rose garden. So whenever we would get in trouble or the teacher would be upset, it would be, hey, I never promised you a rose garden. This is what you get. And then in all of our middle school arrogance, we would drop the mic and walk away, right? (laughs) We know that life isn't easy. We write books about how hard life is. We sing songs about it. We watch movies about it. We know life is difficult for everyone. Our challenges may look different, but no one walks through this life unscathed. Yet, when we accept Christ, or when we begin to come back to the church after a long hiatus, we tend to think, well, now I'm doing what I should be doing, so God should make all my troubles go away, right? Have we ever been guilty of thinking that way? I'm doing what God said to do, so all my troubles should go away. But man, that isn't what Jesus tells us. Jesus flat out tells the disciples, your life is going to be hard. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have come overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't sugarcoat things. He shared with the disciples, it's going to be hard. And as a matter of fact, not only will your life as a believer not be easy, he says, but it's actually going to be even more difficult than it was before. Because when we live our lives the way God calls us to live, our life doesn't get easier, but more challenging. And this is why so many Christians have begun to look for a different Jesus other than the Jesus of the Bible. A Jesus who wants us healthy, wealthy, and wise. A Jesus who is okay with sin and who just wants us to always feel good. This is a Jesus who is acceptable by the world's standards. So if you follow this Jesus, you can be acceptable to the world also. 
But Jesus was never acceptable to an unbelieving world. So people do, instead of accepting the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus that came to bring good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoner, sight to the blind, and forgiveness to the broken and the bruised, they begin to seek and accept this worldly version of Jesus because he is accepted by the world. Therefore, they can serve this Jesus and also be accepted by the world. Because too often people today, like the Nazarenes in our passage, they reject the true Jesus because they don't like the message that he brings. Like these Nazarenes, they turn on the Jesus who preaches hell, who preaches holy living, who sends people away because they refuse to let go of the things of this world. Remember the story of that rich young ruler? In Luke 18, this ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And ultimately Jesus says, If you want to follow me, give away all you possess to the poor and come follow me. And at the end of that little section, it says, When the rich young ruler heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He loved the things of this world. And because he refused to give up this world, Jesus let him walk away. Jesus didn't water down the message. He didn't reassure him it will be okay. Jesus let this man walk away. You see, Jesus' message is good news for the poor. But remember, Last week, that doesn't mean the financially poor. That means the poor in spirit. It means those who have hit rock bottom, who knows that they have no hope on their own, and the only way they can look is up to God for hope and salvation. Jesus' message was good news for those people who were reaching out for God and ready to accept Jesus' message. But not so much for those who are still trying to do things on their own, nor for those who still think they can follow Christ on their own terms. Those people do not like Jesus' message, and they will attack that message and the messenger, much like the Nazarenes did. But Jesus walked right through the crowd in our passage and went on his way. Will you accept Jesus today? Will you accept who you are in Christ today? Will you accept that he has a purpose for your life today? And will you accept that even though life may be tough, that you belong to him and he will bring you through these trials as we follow the true Jesus? Or Will you let Jesus walk away? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day again. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us right now, Lord. 
if there's areas of our lives that we need to give over to you where we are not accepting you as Lord of our lives, Father, let us give those areas over to you today. Reveal those areas and give us the strength and the courage to turn back to you. Father, this week, let each one of us be drawn closer to you. Let each one of us renew our commitment to you. Let each one of us know who we are in you. Let each one of us know whose we are, that we are safe in your hand, even when the trials come, that you will walk us through them. Father, we again thank you and praise you for this day. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.